Hello, welcome back to Undressing the Issue. I'm Julia, I'm your host, and today I would like to talk about a topic that is uh, near and dear to me, which is true crime. (laughs) If you're anything like me, I have, I wouldn't call it an obsession, but I certainly have a fascination with true crime, uh, television shows, podcasts, anything that really talks about uh, events that happened that were horrific, but also somehow fascinating. So I was thinking about this the other day because I think I've pretty much exhausted all of the big true crime uh, TV shows all over the different streaming platforms. And I was wondering, I know I'm not the only one. And the more I research this, the more I'm realizing it is so popular. So I started thinking, why is true crime so popular? So there are several things that come into play for people when they watch true crime television or listen to true crime podcasts. I think part of it is that it's sort of a spectacle. It's something that is so outrageous, so shocking at times that it's sort of like driving past a car crash and you realize people may be hurt and this is horrible and lives are changed forever, but for some reason we just have to look we end up rubbernecking and we end up just doing anything we can to catch a glimpse. So I do think that there is a little bit of that same thing going on when we take an interest in true crime. I think another aspect of this is that human beings, and this goes back generations in time, we have a fascination with evil. We want to try to understand it. We have an awareness of its existence. There's so much talk of it in so many different religions around the world of how to curb it, how to avoid it, how to prevent it. I think part of it is this fascination with people who are what may be deemed evil or who have more of a connection to an evil side of themselves. I also realized in reading some statistics that women tend to like true crime more than men do, that a lot of the uh, audience, the viewer base is more heavily female than male in terms of the demographics that are collected. And I started thinking about this and why would it be more popular with women than with men? Well, I started thinking about this. Women tend to, I don't know about you, but for me as a woman, I have a keen awareness of my safety everywhere I go. And I often notice that for men, This is not something that they think about all the time. They think about it at times, but if you are 
a woman, if you identify as a female, you probably have experienced needing to look over your shoulder or be aware of who's around you, who's behind you, be wary of going out places, certain types of places at certain times of day or night, not needing to be on your own if you're going to be, you know, in a safe place, but wanting to have somebody with you if you're not in a very safe place. And a lot of this is because of chronic victimization. Women are often victimized and historically have been. Not to say that men are not, but for women, this is something that is sort of instilled in us, that we have to keep ourselves safe, that we are not safe in the world necessarily. And women have been victimized. And I would go so far as to say more than men have, especially historically. So I think in part, the reason why there's a much larger percentage of the viewer base being female is because of this desire to prepare themselves. I think women have a fascination with true crime because they're looking to learn about what traits, what signs, what warnings they should look out for when they come into contact with new people when they're in different situations to protect themselves. So in a way, I do think that it's related to survival and preparedness. And this, to me, makes a lot of sense. It may not be something that women are immediately aware of while they're actually watching these shows or listening to these podcasts, but I think that there is a lot of retention of information around what were the cues, what were the earlier signs and symptoms, what of these signs and symptoms could I say I've witnessed in people I've known in my relationships and what kind of risk have I been in or am currently in based on the signs and symptoms that the people in my life demonstrate. So I think there's something surrounding this need to prepare and need to be aware of dangers or factors that could compromise a woman's safety that contribute to women's fascination with true crime. I also think that there's a component of this that's kind of similar to watching horror movies, where people kind of like to be a little scared, but they like to have it happen in a controlled way. When you watch a horror movie, yeah, there could be, you know, the sort of the shock factors, the sudden frights and things like that, and it gets your adrenaline pumping, but it's controlled. You know that you're in a safe environment and you're going in to have this experience and there's something sort of fun about that or going to one of those, um, you know, horror houses kind of things like Halloween Horror Nights at Universal Studios. This is not an ad. Um, But people like to go and just kind of be scared here and there, but they know that they're not actually going to get hurt and that these are actors and that this scare is contained. There's going to be a beginning and an end and we're going to come out of it okay. And I think that there's something to be said about 
looking for that kind of experience in true crime. I think one of the other things that fascinates people is the taboo factor. Murder, harming another human being, doing it in a gruesome fashion, there's a taboo around this. Most people probably couldn't stomach doing such acts to another person. They probably wouldn't be able to bring themselves to be so violent, to see such injuries or blood. It's something that doesn't come naturally to most people. Therefore, it seems, quote unquote, abnormal. It's taboo. So we all tend to have a fascination with the taboo. How do these other people do it? I know I couldn't do it. So when I watch this, I wonder, what's going on for this person? What are they feeling? What are they thinking? Because I could just not imagine being in their shoes and doing this. I think that is also a big component. For me, I think part of why I am fascinated with true crime is because I'm interested in something that's called dark psychology. Now, if you've never heard of this, uh, what I'm talking about is something known as a dark triad. So it's a set of three traits that a person can possess or must possess to really be violent, aggressive, a serial killer, a murderer, somebody who can really engage in these acts that serve as the material for true crime, uh, for true crime TV, for true crime podcasts. So the dark triad, really interesting stuff. The three traits that make up the dark triad are number one, narcissism, number two, Machiavellianism, And number three, psychopathy. So let's talk about these three. You've heard me talk about narcissism, but let's go over it again. So what we're talking about in terms of narcissism is grandiosity, needing to feel dominant, entitlement, arrogance, the ability or the desire to exploit other people, vanity, a sensitivity to criticism, a need for attention, and sometimes a need for uh, sensations to feel things, intensity, kind of like adrenaline junkies. Really, when it comes to the dark triad, it's these aspects of narcissism that can drive somebody to become violent. Let's go to number two, Machiavellianism. So this Machiavellianism is a big word, lots of letters. What we're referring to here is kind of a famous book titled The Prince by Niccolo Machiavelli. This book was written a couple hundred years ago. And basically, it was and still is a very controversial piece of writing. Machiavelli wrote about the art of war in this book how to assume control of a people, a territory, and how to maintain that control. So 
this book basically talks about how glory and survival can justify the use of immoral means to achieve those ends. Uh, one of the famous quotes from this book is, it is better to be feared than loved if you cannot be both. So basically, it's do whatever you have to, to get ahead and stay ahead. Because getting ahead and staying ahead is more important than anything that has to be done to get there. That's the ultimate goal. The rest doesn't matter. Um, this book basically promotes things like focusing on reputation, cynicism, being strategic, also potentially manipulative, and it also supports low ethical and moral standards, and it encourages a person to focus primarily on a need for personal gain and nothing else. It's all about me, what I want. I come first, and nothing can get in the way of that. So Machiavellianism is something that can be beneficial. It's a trait that can be actually really motivating. It can help people get ahead and pursue lofty goals and be ambitious, but it can also turn into being ruthless and cutthroat and really using others to get ahead and not really caring at all about what happens to the people you use. So we have narcissism, Machiavellianism. Number three is psychopathy, meaning being a psychopath. We hear this word tossed around, but what actually is it? What is a psychopath like? What do they look like? How do they present? What's their personality like? The reality is people who on the spectrum of psychopathy may be up there, probably walk among us. Not all of them are necessarily serial killers. They may take that type of psychopathy urge out in other contexts, but some may be. What we're talking about really, most people who are psychopaths are actually quite charming. They tend to focus on the present. They tend to be highly intelligent and impulsive. And one of the key traits is that they have a total absence of guilt or empathy. They want instant gratification. They're willing to take risks. They tend to be aggressive and they are highly manipulative. So Ted Bundy is a clear example of this. He was extremely charming, extremely charming, but he was solely focused on his own personal gain. And he was aggressive in getting that and had a total lack of guilt or remorse for the people that he hurt in the process. He was also, he also possessed a lot of this Machiavellian, uh, energy where he just wanted to get ahead 
it was all about his reputation. He wanted to be viewed as an attorney. He also wanted to be seen. He wanted to make an impression. He wanted to be known and make a name for himself. And he also was pretty narcissistic. I mean, he represented himself in his trial. If that's not narcissism, I don't know what is. Uh, John Wayne Gacy is another perfect example. Yes, these are serial killers. There's a recent show that came out about John Wayne Gacy, which are his interview tapes that were finally released. And what you hear in these tapes, what I heard, is somebody who is extremely narcissistic and egocentric, very grandiose. He thought very, very highly of himself. He thought he was above the law, that he couldn't get caught that nobody would suspect him because he had done his due diligence to establish such a good reputation for himself. He volunteered, he helped others, he was active in his community and in his local government. So nobody's going to question him. He's a stand-up guy. And he did that to gain the reputation to be charming so that when he wanted to do something or had an urge for something, nobody could get in his way. Nobody could question it and he could do whatever he wanted. He is a true example and you can hear it clearly in those interview tapes of somebody who possesses the dark triad. So now that you know about these three main traits, one thing to note is that every single human being has the capacity for these three traits. We all have the ability to be narcissistic, Machiavellian, and psychopathic. This exists on a spectrum. And I think this is an important component to remember. Just because you see some of these traits here and there in a person doesn't mean that they are necessarily a serial killer or that they're dangerous. We all have it in us, but they exist on a spectrum. And usually when people start moving along the spectrum towards an extreme end of it, the further they go, the more they want to go further and further. The deeper in they, they go, the more they want to keep going. And once they reach a certain point, there's no turning back. So, for example, if you watch anything that has to do with Jeffrey Dahmer, he talks about how he felt these urges when he was younger. But once he started acting on them, that it felt like an addiction. He had to keep doing it. He felt compelled. There was no going back. For most of us, when we do move along the spectrum, we tend to scare ourselves. We tend to really kind of pause and go, what am I doing? This doesn't feel good. I don't think I want to do this. And we tend to stop there. What makes a person want to keep going is still something that we don't know that much about. We've done some studies. We've looked at brain scans. You have the uh, BAU through the FBI, the Behavioral Analysis Unit, who has studied this subject for a long time to try to determine what makes somebody actually commit these crimes. What is it 
that we need to look for to try to prevent this from happening. And the reality is they still don't really know. There isn't necessarily a clear genetic marker. There are outliers to some of the more common patterns. So it's really difficult to say what it is exactly that makes a person go to such extremes and commit these crimes that for some of us are really entertaining to hear about. I think finally what you should know is that it's perfectly normal to be fascinated by true crime. It's really popular and it always has been and there's nothing wrong with you. I think the biggest thing I will have to say to you is don't try to diagnose everybody you come across to make sure you don't know any serial killers. I don't want this to make you suspicious or paranoid, but if you find it entertaining and you enjoy watching it and you have fun doing so, by all means, go right ahead. And I hope that this information makes it even more interesting for you now that you have a little bit of insight into how these the psychology of these people, of these criminals, actually works. Thanks for listening and catch you again next time.